with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. In today's show, we'll talk about China's promotion of foreign investment with a focus on manufacturing, and also the UK's new Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. What are his solutions to the economic challenges lying ahead? And now let's begin with our top story. China's top economic planner has issued a new package of policies to support. Foreign investment in China. The National Development and Reform Commission has issued 15 measures to facilitate the implementation of foreign invested projects with emphasis on the manufacturing sector. The measures call for attracting investment by multinational companies in the medical, semiconductor, and chemical industries. Foreign direct investment or FDI into the Chinese mainland expanded 16% to nearly 900 billion yuan. In the first eight months of this year, in U.S. dollars term, the flow went up 20 percent. So, for more on this, join us on the line now, Dr. Chu Tiang, the Assistant Director of the International Monetary Institute at Renmin University of China, and also Ina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. So, first, Dr. Chu, China's top economic planner, has issued a series of new measures to boost the foreign investment. What are your main takeaways from it? I think it shows a very clear sign that Chinese government uh, is going to honor its uh, promise, uh, its commitment to the foreign investors and the international market.、Um, we've been always saying that China is going to be open wider and uh, uh, to give more of the space and、uh, to the、uh, world investor.、Uh, China is not going to close up,、uh, even though we're facing a lot of turmoil, so like uh, uh, geopolitical conflicts. And also the、uh, the COVID situation, but China is not going to stop. Reform and opening up is going to be there for sure. And this has been showing. We've been taking concrete steps to help the international investors and also to facilitate、uh, their actions and practices in China.、Uh, so,、uh, and we're going to see more of the detailed、uh, actions and also practices is coming after after that. So.、Uh, They will find it easier and more stable to stay in China, to boom in China, and also to have a better future.、Mm. And so, Ina, measures by the NDRC or the top economic planner include the implementation of an active list approach for foreign investment, ensuring market factors such as land and trade flow, and also facilitating the business exchanges. So, could you give us some specific explanation of that measures and what impressed you? Well, it, it's, these are very important. If you take the top four concerns of uh, investment, uh, you know, people who want to invest in China. Well, I should say five. First, access, and the government is addressing this through this negative list. Second, ease of investment. It's fine to say we're open, but you know, how do you get the land? How do you set it up? How do you go through the local bureaucracies, the national licensing, all of these things? So, having this kind of one point of contact、uh, that they have used very successfully. In uh, other um, EDCs, economic development zones,、uh, licensing of、uh, small companies has made things much more efficient.、Mm. Then you have protection of IP. Now that is there. The Chinese courts now are arguably much better. 
at protecting your IP, <clears throat> if it's registered in China, then in other jurisdictions, in the U.S., you could be ground down for years with legal proceedings. In China, there's an average of a little around 2.5 years for a final resolution from the start of the of the of uh, any action that's taken. And then the last part is repatriation of profits. Um, very important to a lot of these companies. If I invest, how do I get it out? And also, access for key technical uh, people and management. Uh, that has a lot to do with COVID. There was a lot of talk about how they were going to address this, but these are future policies. Mm. And so, Dr. Chu, the foreign investment into the high-end equipment, modern services, and green technologies will be given priority you know, status. So why are these areas prioritized? Uh, that is because you probably read the uh, uh, the manifesto of the conference. Um, in China in the future, you're going to see uh, green development and also uh, high-tech uh, manufacturing is going to be, be the key uh, direction. Uh, China want to promote its uh, living standard for all the people. And also it's going to try to uh, optimize the environment and the ecology in this country. And therefore, we need better technology, we need more investment, we need more experience and uh, best practice all over the world to help China to achieve that. And this is not only good news for China, but also, if you think clearly, you'll find it's going to be a great opportunity for the rest of the world. Just imagine, uh, right now in China, uh, we still got uh, like uh, 600 million of the people working in the uh, uh, rural area, working in the low-end manufacturing. Just imagine if we can promote a little bit of this industry, make them into a little bit tech savvy in the rural production or in the uh, low end manufacturing, make them into a little bit higher end. And then this people's income is probably going to increase by not so much, probably 100 US dollar per month. That's not a very big boost, right? But just increase by that, just imagine we have 600 million of people at that level. And then it's going to be a huge market for the rest of the world. Uh, they're going to have more money in their pocket to enjoy more, and they're going to have better living uh, environment. So they can have a, a better uh, life, uh, they can have better health, and etc. Mm. So I think it's been coping with both Chinese benefit and also the foreign investors benefit. Mm. And so, Aina, we've seen that the FDI or foreign direct investment into the Chinese mainland in the, you know, uh, so far this year is quite good. And so what are the main reasons for the FDI inflow into the Chinese mainland, especially among so many uncertainties in the world? Well, it's quite amazing. Uh, up 16.4% over the first three quarters, I mean, first eight months. Uh, that uh, represents a 20% increase uh, year on year. Uh, really very impressive given the headwinds that the global economy is looking. But I, I, I want to go back. The, the reason mm. um, this is happening is because of what uh, Professor Chu has alluded to, and that is sustainable and efficiency. China is trying to drive down the cost of manufacturing, and they're trying to make sure that it's done in a green way, which is sustainable. So at this juncture, uh, you know, the uh, money has a different logic than politics. And right now, the money says we need markets, we need efficient production, and we need stable and available infrastructure. Now, especially in infrastructure, it's fine to say you want to go to different areas of the world, maybe even uh, Southeast Asia. But if the infrastructure isn't there already, it takes too much time. Mm. Uh, Europe is under a you know a very difficult situation. Uh, they're not competitive because of the uh, wage and also energy issues. 
Uh, so at this point, it's not product. It is not a, you cannot produce there competitively. You see this huge amount of money flowing into China, especially for contract manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular with their uh, joint venture partners, as these large uh, companies look to have stable production for the next two to three years while they weather the storm and figure out what's going to happen next. Mm. And Anna, so could you give us some examples about this foreign investment, you know, flooding into China? All of the car companies, uh, BASF, for example, uh, they're expanding. Another $10 billion uh, uh, investment uh, in China. Uh, they, they have to do that. They literally are completely dependent because so much of the chemicals they make are actually uh, dependent on energy, on gas. They do use parts of stripping, and, and the uh, gas uh, energy itself is part of the large part of the equation. So they're shifting production away from Germany. They're going to have to close factories there, at least temporarily, and then um, move it to China so that they can be worldwide competitive. Mm. Uh, because if they don't do that, they will be out of business. Mm. And Dr. Chu, so how do you explain this foreign direct investment into the Chinese mainland? What do you think is the role of China in the global supply chain currently? Uh, I think there are many things already within our knowledge. Um, China is the largest uh, manufacturing center of the whole world. Uh, we we have that position, uh, not by coincidence. But basically, there are several uh, must happening in there. Uh, for example, China has the largest fleet of uh, team of engineers or with a higher education. Uh, and also, China has a very, uh, very mature uh, manufacturing system, which means you can get all the parts to build something, for example, to build a car or smaller to uh, probably a cigarette lighter. You can find all the parts within like five miles radius. That is some condition not always possessed by one country. And also there's another thing is that China happened to be in the Far East. We're far away from the tension center. Well, according to the history, you probably are familiar with that. Uh, when there is a geopolitical conflict uh, happening in certain region, it's not going to be end uh, like a, uh, within a snap of fingers. Um, it's not going to say, okay, stop it, and then stop, and then everyone will return to the normal situation. No, it's not going to be like that. The tension is going to be there like at least for the five years, or normal is going to be 10 to 20 years, or even longer. Uh, so uh, in a foreseeable future, or in the next five years, China in the Far East is going to be a very stable place. We're far away from uh, the conflicts, so which give us the condition to have a better access to the oil, to the raw material, and uh, to maintain a stable production environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, letting alone, we have another uh, important condition that China is very close to the largest market. Not only China itself has 1.4 billion of people, which is a very large market, and also China is close to ASEAN countries, which is also a second largest market in the world. And uh, letting alone, India is also next to us. Mm. and South Asian region. So uh, this position gives China uh, a better uh, you know, condition uh, to maintain the drive of economic growth, not only for itself, but also for the rest of the world. I think that's the reason why the world capital chose China as still one of the favorable uh, investment destiny. Mm. And so, Aina, so what do you think of the role of China in the global supply chain? Do you agree with uh, uh, Chi Qiang? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, and it goes beyond just this regional issue. If you start looking at Africa, South America, Central Asia, 
they're all looking eastward. Uh, even the M- Middle East uh, is, you know, being very, very independent. You can't imagine them doing what they have been doing uh, in the last uh, year, if, if, 10 years ago. It would have been unthinkable. Uh, today, they're asserting their independence. Uh, China is their largest customer. Uh, the same thing in South, uh, South America and Africa. There's a greater sense of a global South emerging. Uh, also, uh, in, in conjunction with the uh, Central Asia, where China is a pivotal place. Mm. And so, uh, Dr. Xu, also in this week, uh, Chinese stock markets, including Asia and Hong Kong listed stocks, rebounded on Wednesday after an early plunge on Monday. So how would you explain it? Why is such a kind of market confidence in Chinese equities? Uh, well, this is much more complicated uh, because we're looking at uh, very complicated signals around the world. Um, in Europe, uh, in Europe, we see uh, their market has been suffering from certain turmoils, uh, which makes uh, their ups and downs in the euro, uh, the currency, and also the European equity market. And uh, as well, if you look at the U.S. market, the U.S. market has been, if you read the current PMI, and uh, you will find out um, they've been showing some signs for the real recession happening. Uh, that's the reason why for the weakening uh, U.S. dollar indicators. Um, it used to be very, very tough and strong, and now it's been under uh, 110. Uh, also, if that happens, and I think the Federal Reserve is probably going to slow down on the uh, interest rate hike. And, uh, so the international capital has been hesitating a little bit. So should we just uh, slow down the horses a little bit in the American market and then considering just to pivot a little bit? Uh, that's the reason why. Uh, when Chinese market is started to get warmer, because mm. the yuan stopped uh, to getting weak, and for the Hong Kong market is another has another story. Probably everybody thinking Hong Kong market is the same like Chinese market is just an extension, but actually no. Uh, Hong Kong market has been denominated by the U.S. dollar. So when U.S. dollar goes very strong and the U.S. stock market and the both Hong Kong market will all be weakening, but when U.S. dollar get weaker, Hong Kong market and the U.S. stock market will all get better. Uh, that's the logic. Hmm. So, um, so probably it's going to be uh, well. If I put it simple, that's to say, when uh, at the current stage of the whole world, uh, everybody feels very puzzled about the future. So w- nobody knows exactly what's going to be uh, the right direction: U.S. market, Chinese market, or European market. No, when you don't know about that, and then you spread your risk uh, into different places. I think that's the reason why when you see the rebound. Mm. And so, Aina, so China is now prioritizing the pursuit of the high-quality development. So how can it contribute to the world? Well, I mean, lowering costs is very important. I mean, the global supply chain uh, since 2001 and, and China's accession to the WTO, you saw an increasing um, uh, amount of uh, growth going to uh, these developing and emerging countries. Uh, the, the developed countries thought it was at their expense, but the truth was they were soaking up two-thirds of the profits. This was just pure growth in these countries. And as China develops and it, it goes into the more high-quality growth, that opens up space in the lower areas, uh, areas that require more uh, labor-intensive applications. Uh, so you, you're already starting to see that. I mean, Southeast Asia is awash with this. In fact, Southeast Asia will actually, it's projected to have a higher growth rate than China at, 
then China will. But it doesn't mean that they've overtaken China. It's all part of a unified system. So by spreading, uh, uh, putting more money in people's pockets by making things more efficient, by making it greener, by sustaining an environment where trade is uh, valued through RCEP, Belt and Road Initiative for Infrastructure, China is really building very solid foundation for a different kind of economic pyramid. Mm. Well, we're speaking with Aina Tangan, senior fellow at the Taihe Institute, and also Chu Qiang, the assistant director of the International Monetary Institute at Renmin University. And after a short break, we'll take a look at challenges facing the UK. Stay with us. I am Dan Wang, chief economist of Hang Seng Bank, China. The world today is a real fun program. You will hear interesting people discussing global trend, economic event, what's happening in and outside of China. So, friends around the world, hope you can join us. You are listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Britain has a new prime minister as Rishi Sunak assumed office this week, becoming the UK's third leader in seven weeks. Observers are expecting that Sunak will face a lot of challenges ahead. Here is Giles Gibson reporting from London. Now, in his first speech as UK prime minister, Rishi Sunak made two big promises. He said he was going to stabilize the economy and also bring back integrity and accountability to 10 Downing Street. On the economy, he has now announced that he is delaying a planned fiscal statement to the 17th of November, and that has also been upgraded to what's known as a full autumn statement. That means we're going to get a detailed breakdown from the government about how they plan to spend taxpayers' money and where they are going to be making uh, spending cuts. Meanwhile, on that other issue of integrity and accountability. Rishi Sunak is already getting some criticism about bringing back the uh, former Home Secretary Suella Braverman, reappointing her to that job, even though it's only days ago that she had to resign due to a data breach. Keir Starmer, the leader of the opposition Labour Party, accusing Rishi Sunak of putting party first and country second. Rishi Sunak defending himself by saying that Braverman made an error of judgment and had accepted her mistake and that he could therefore bring her back to run one of the biggest departments in the government. So, Aina, first of all, Sunak was the acclaimed leader of the Conservative Party's leadership race as he was the only candidate with support from over 100 MPs. And he lost the race again, Lee's Trust, uh, actually six weeks ago. So what changed? What changed? Uh, well, Liz Truss came in with her economic plan, and it laid an egg, as they say in the uh, in the West. Uh, it was res- the pound dropped to its lowest level against the dollar. Uh, the bond market collapsed. The Bank of England had to intercede. Uh, confidence in Great Britain just plummeted. Uh, she was quickly uh, removed, but the damage has been done. The fact, though, is that nothing has changed. Whether it's Boris Johnson, Liz Trust, or, or Richie Sunak, uh, the situation that uh, Britain has has been seven years in the making. It begins with Brexit, and it continues. I mean, uh, right now, Britain is hostile to Russia. It's hostile to the EU. Um, you know, and the question is, 
who is it friends with? The common, many of them that are Commonwealth are not too happy with uh, Great Britain e- either. So this Great Britain's right now in, in a situation where it's made its own bet. It's going to be very difficult for uh, Sunak to change that because mm-hmm. just because you have a new captain doesn't mean the ship isn't going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Dr. Chu Sunak said the country faces a profound economic crisis. So, what are the main problems with the UK's economy? Well, UK's economy has many uh, issues, I think. Um, for example, uh, this country has been focusing on the modern services industry, uh, for example, like finance and other things for a very long time. So uh, the whole country's industry is actually the structure is up in, in a holofying stru- uh, uh, situation, which means uh, they moved a lot of manufacturing industry and rail economy out of the country. And uh, they try to invest in the foreign country to get the return so the country can get rich. Well, previously, uh, when we're in the great moderation period of time, I think this model really works. Uh, but when something really happens and then you will find out in your country, you only run the money business and nothing else than that. Mm. Uh, this is going to be a problem, especially when you get the Brexit and you find out uh, even the most important, uh, you know, daily supply and the daily, uh, well, the necessary uh, services provided by uh, the local people. I think they need uh, the immigrants from the uh, Eastern Europe or uh, some European Union's labors. But now with the Brexit, they don't have that either, mm-hmm. uh, which drive up the cost. And mm-hmm. so nobody, uh, there's not enough money to help this country run, uh, you know, in the operation to help the country get enough services, product and money. So uh, when this trend continues, they're going to face more and more problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't see how they can uh, reverse the trend in a short time. Mm, and Dr. Chu, so how good of a fit is Rishi Sunak for the role that includes, you know, cleaning up the financial turmoil caused by trust uh, many budgets? Well, in China, we have a saying, uh, the thick eyes in the polar region are not formed in one day. So the problem has been formed in a very long time. Sunak is a very smart person. I think he's very competent as the technocrat. But I don't think he has enough time, neither all the support to solve the problem. He has all the experience working in the investment bank. And also he himself, as I observed, is a very rational person, not uh, very hostile to China, to Russia. He just want to solve the problem, viewing everything from the eyes of an economist. Uh, but just bear this in mind. Every time when there is a financial turmoil mm. and uh, the mess is coming after that, they always need economists or someone with similar background to solve all the problems. So, Aina, so what do you think will be Sunak's uh, solutions uh, economically? I'm going to have to agree with my colleague, mm. uh, even though he was putting in a, a great advertisement for economists. <laughs> uh, the, the, the issue here is he doesn't have any room or time. Uh, the situation, as was pointed out, long term the making, you cannot solve it short term. Um, it would require uh, thinking outside the box, literally uh, going to China, to Russia, uh, to Europe, saying, look, we need to figure this out. Dr. Chu, the UK is still the world's sixth largest economy, although a power on the way. But will Sunak's victory inject some volatility into the UK economy or at least the market response? The market response is friendly, right? 
Yes. Uh, with him, he saved the free fall of the situation, that's for sure. But saving the free fall doesn't mean you can rally or reverse the trend, and that's the two different things. I think Sunak is a rational person, technocrat. But as I also, as I also mentioned, the problem is not forming in one day. It's been a very long time problem. It's chronic disease. Uh, unless he can start a, uh, a radical reform from the bottom bottom up, and also if he can mobilize the West uh, majority of the people's consensus, and then probably he can change the situation, become the game changer. Otherwise, I don't think there's a possibility. Mm. And Sunak is the fifth UK uh, prime minister in six years. Some say this just shows how chaotic the UK politics has become in recent years. So, uh, Aina, did something go wrong or is it just the way things are? Well, I mean, seven years ago, uh, the UK, uh, literally, they're like the Titanic. They hit the iceberg. And since that period of time, they've been changing the deck chairs or uh, prime ministers, but it doesn't change the underlying problem. Uh, Britain should never have left Brexit. I mean, never left the EU uh, common. They didn't have a plan. It was literally jumping off a cliff and hoping that the rocks below will soften your fall. It was completely unknown, and that's what they're facing now. Uh, And then on top of that, you have the recession, you have the pandemic, um, you know, the the situation in in, uh, in Europe with uh, Ukraine, uh, all of these have compounded it. But it began with that first issue, running into this iceberg called "Let's leave the EU." Mm. So, uh, Doctor Chu, do you agree with Aina? Yes, for sure. I totally agree with my uh, colleague in here. And what can yes. we expect from uh, Sunak on his policy for relations with China? I think Sunak himself would like to, you know, maintain a stable relation with China, not make it worse, that's for sure. Mm, And what do you think will be his solutions economically? Well, I think his solution is probably try to use a lot of financial tools and fiscal tools. For example, cut the uh, budget and also try to buy in the national T-bond of the UK and uh, to make sure uh, the the T-bond market of the UK can be stabilized. Uh, And I think he can do it because T-bond market of the UK is not such a large market like China or like the United States. And also he's going to try his best to make sure uh, the foreign uh, reserve, uh, oh, sorry, the foreign exchange rate of the uh, uh, sterling pound is going to be stable. Mm. Uh, and he can do that. But other than that, I don't think he has uh, other you know, power to do so. Well, we're speaking with Dr. Chu Qiang, the Assistant Director of the International Monetary Institute at Renmin University, and also Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.